Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's Cyberchurch broadcast, and we're going to be talking about the ultimate source of life. But just let me remind you, this is a series that's called Always Above, Never Beneath, The Biblical Secrets to Always Winning. Now, I want to tell you something. That sounds like a fictitious con artist title to me, but it is the reality. I mean, and, and one of the reasons it sounds so fictitious and one of the reasons it sounds like it's a, it's a con game is because most of the people who have taught us things about success, whether it's biblical, based on biblical principles or whether it's just based on you know, success teachers, most of it has really been so superficial. So much of it has been so lame and so much of it has been driven uh, by greed. And so, you know, I'm not interested in, in helping you become greedy. I'm not interested in helping you become carnal. I'm not interested in helping you reach that place where you want what God offers or, the, you know, what God can give you, but you don't want God. And, you know, that's what that's really what happened back in the prosperity movement. That's what's happened in many of the success movements is people wanted the benefits of God, but they didn't want God. They didn't want to live a godly life. They didn't want to treat people right. They didn't want to walk in love. They didn't want to be kind. They didn't want to be generous. Let me just say this, by the way. When, and I, and this, this series is not about prosperity, but let me just say this using prosperity as an example. Of all the things that will destroy you if you're seeking prosperity is if you are not seeking generosity first. Yeah, prosperity just becomes greed when that's the whole goal, when that's the whole end. So when we talk about always above and never beneath, you know, we are talking about a path that God will lead you on so that you always win and that when you win, nobody else has to lose. And in fact, when you win, you become a blessing to all the people around you. You, you then have the resources to contribute to, to all of their life. Now, one of the things, again, and I mentioned this at the very beginning, that has just plagued uh, uh, the faith walk of the believers is people who want the benefits that God has to offer, but they don't want to walk with God. So they're just prostituting their faith. They're prostituting their Christianity. And uh, the real truth is, if we are truly... Uh, seeking God in a very intimate way, and we are truly experiencing God in a very intimate way, the real truth is we don't have to seek any of those things. You know, I, it amazes me when I hear people teach about prayer, and, uh, and, and I look at the different places where Jesus taught about prayer, and Jesus told us some things that we never had to pray about, we never had to worry about, we never even had to try to get these things. But instead, if we would just walk in the path of righteousness, and I'm not talking about legalism, I'm not talking about the way religion defines righteousness, I'm talking about the way God defines righteousness. If we would get in harmony with God and, and, and allow Him to develop us and enter into a relationship with him where we are actually experiencing him in our lives, 
then the real truth is everything that we want, everything that we need, everything that would make our life better, everything that would improve the quality of our life would be a serendipitous experience. In other words, you're walking down the road just finding the things that you need for life. You're walking down the road meeting the right people, making the right connections. And they all ha happen not because you're trying to make them happen. They're happening because you are walking this path of life that the Bible talks about. Now, uh, <clears throat> years ago, I worked in a, in a particular business, and the man that owned the business, he was a, a Jewish man. He was not a, you know, a believer as far as a, you know, Christian believer. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, many times uh, during our uh, uh, weekly training sessions and motivation sessions that he would have, I would bring out biblical concepts for success. And uh, what was really interesting, I always referred to these biblical concepts as being based on the Word of God. Now, now the time that I worked there, he and I became really very close. And in fact, when, when it was a music store, and when I left there, he gave me, as a gift, a very expensive guitar. And uh, he knew I was going to use this in ministry. In fact, every time I ever had a ministry outreach and I needed to borrow more equipment, this Jewish man would loan me this equipment. And so we were talking one day, and, uh, you know, I asked him, I said, why don't you let me talk to you, you know, uh, about these things? You know, there's, there's other people that try to talk to you, and you don't let them talk to you. You're not interested in what they got to say. He says, because all the Christians I've ever met, they always talk about Jesus, but they don't ever talk about God. And he said, I, he said, I want to know God. And, you know, that's an amazing thing. And that just kind of bowled me over because I'd always made God the center and the focus of, you know, of all of my Christian faith. I never, you know, I mean, G, I mean, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting to know God through him. But the ultimate goal is not to replace God the Father with Jesus. Jesus has a, has a role in this trinity called the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And he plays a major role and uh, actually, he plays the only role in connecting us to God in a way that we can experience life at its very, very best. And um, so you know, that, that has such a tremendous impact on me. So this version, John 17, uh, you know, we all know John 10, 10, Jesus came, we might have life, and we might have it more abundantly. But also, uh, you know, we, we, follow, we need to follow that up with this reality that tells us that uh, uh, this is eternal. What, what is eternal life? Now, remember, the word eternal is really not a great definition here. Eternal life is the, is the translation, the English translation of the Greek word zoe. D-Z-O-E is the way it's spelled. It's pronounced Z-O-A, zoe. So, zoe is not so much about how long life lasts as much as it's about the quality of life that you're experiencing. As a matter of fact, the best language sources say that the word zoe is the quality of life that is given by the one who possesses it. So Jesus possessed, he experienced the quality of life with God. 
here on earth. And that's, you know, that's, that's how he stayed in peace. That's how he won all of his uh, uh, battles. That's how, he, that's how he lived his life. That's how he treated people. And that's, how he, that's how he ministered to people. He was always flowing out of, out of this incredible sense of the life of God. Now, uh, so we have to realize, by the way, I'll just throw this out here. One of the ways we know this is not talking about how long life lasts is because when we leave this natural realm, we enter into a realm where time does not exist. So uh, uh, it, it would be very redundant and inaccurate to talk about eternal life rather than talking about quality of life. So Jesus says, this is quality of life that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom uh, he has sent or whom you have sent. He's talking to the Father here. So this brings everything into perspective and says, now if I want to experience the life of God, Jesus came here so that I could really see the character and the nature of God so that I could trust God. And then Jesus went to the cross. He, he, he became our sin. He suffered our, all the consequences of sin. Those sins uh, uh, held him in the grave where he would have spent uh, eternity had he not believed the truth of God who raised him up in righteousness. Then he was seated at the right hand of God. And so that's the basis of our, of our salvation. But see, the problem is uh, when, when people are looking for salvation, uh, they're looking for salvation from a God that they don't trust. And it's, you know, we get saved, which that word sozo means saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart, all of these things. And so we, we experience all of these factors of salvation uh, by faith, in other words, by trust. We have to trust God. And so we have to trust how Jesus himself represented God through his teaching, through his ministry, through all the things that he did, and ultimately through his death, burial, and resurrection. And if we have any other concepts of God that are, that, that are you know, out of these bounds, then the real truth is anything that we believe about God, then the truth is if it's not rooted in what Jesus showed us, if it's not rooted in his um, uh, interpretation and application of the word of God and ultimately rooted in his death, burial, and resurrection, this is just not true. We're just, we're just lying to ourselves. We're making it up. We've been overcome and hijacked by religion. So Jesus came that we might have eternal life. And he said, now this, and this is the way that you experience eternal life or that you have eternal life, that you know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom the Father has sent to us. Now that word know is a, is a really interesting word. Now when we read the word know as what the Bible would call Gentiles, we read that word know and we really put the big uh, emphasis on information, about learning information. You know, the Gnostic movement back uh, very early uh, after the resurrection of Jesus, the Gnostic movement really overtook the Gentile church. You know, the, the Hebrew believers, they had this tendency to go back into uh, 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 into the old covenant and apply everything from a legalistic point of view. Well, 
the Gentile believers, they have this tendency to, to slip over into Gnosticism where everything was based on information, knowing the right information. And so one of the things that happens, it doesn't matter if you're seeking uh, uh, God through legalism, performance, and works, or whether you're seeking God through information uh, and knowledge. Either, in, in either of those cases, legalism or knowledge becomes the substitute for actually intimately knowing God. Because this word here for knowing God, it's the same word when it talks about a husband and a wife making love. Now, this, this is not something perverted. This is talking about a level of intimacy, a level of sharing your life with you know, another individual in ways that you don't share it with anybody else. You know, a husband and wife, when they know each other, when, you know, what happens in making love and expressing their passion and their commitment to each other uh, uh, should always be something that they share with no one else. And I'm going to tell you something, you know, that's why, that's why you don't want infidelity in your marriage because when it violates that and you've shared with someone else what should only be shared with you and your spouse, it messes up your heart and it hardens your heart towards your spouse. And, and really the same thing happens with God. You know, if we share our dreams and if we share our goals and if we share, you know, uh, the deep cries of our heart, with, with the world or with religion or, you know, with, with counselors or I'm not against counselors, but, but we go ahead and pour our hearts out to every, everybody else except to God. And there is just such a tendency. Now, keep in mind, I've been in the ministry 49 years, and I am telling you, I have counseled one-on-one -on -one with thousands of people, and very few people know God in the sense that this word means it. Very few people are intimate with God, therefore they are experiencing something with him that makes them feel safe, that makes them feel loved, that makes them feel connected. And, and see, commitment and all of these things that we need to have a, a healthy life of faith, they grow out of our deep intimacy with God. And there's not deep intimacy with God. All you have left is performance or information. And so, because our heart is hungry and we're desperate to come into this knowing God, then, then we're going to overload on the information. We're going to overload on dead works and performance and all that kind of stuff. And we'll never, ever, ever be satisfied. We'll never, ever, ever be fulfilled because there is no substitute for what happens in your deep intimacy with God. Now, I'll tell you, in most of my books, not all of them, but almost all of my books, at the end of every chapter, I have what I call, you know, heart work or heart exercises. And in heart work, you know, I, I get you to ask questions about what you just studied in that book and how it's going to look when it's applied to your life and, and how you use that, to connect, that information to influence your beliefs about God and, and you know, connect with God. And, and so uh, people find that by immediately making some of these decisions, that it, it, it really changes the impact that a book has on them or that a message like this has. So, you know, I, I want you to think about this. Do, are you clear now on what the Bible actually means when it talks about knowing God? Are you clear about 
what that's going to look like in your life. And that's really the big question. What is it going to look like in my life? You know, people, I remember when I first got saved. Now, you know, I knew nothing about God. I knew nothing. I didn't know anything about life, if you really want the truth. And when I came to God, I knew I was an absolute mess. And I knew I needed God's help. And I knew that, if, you know, that if God did not help me, and teach me that my life would continue to be horrible. That's why you know, I didn't come. I didn't really come to God just to get to heaven later on. I came to God uh, to get saved from me and have some heaven on earth now because I was the one that was creating my hell on earth because I didn't have the wisdom of God. I didn't know how to treat people. I didn't know. I, you know just, there were just so many things in life that I absolutely did not did not know, and so. So, you know, my search for God was not just for information. I needed a transformation in my life. So, you know, we have to start asking some of the crucial questions, which unfortunately we're pretty much never taught through 21st century church uh, to ask any questions. We're just supposed to sit there, listen to what the preacher says, and we're supposed to obey that and, and believe that and take that, you know, take that for nothing. And, but, you know, I never did that because I, I didn't want the information. I wanted the experience with God. I'm not talking about just an emotional experience. I'm talking about something that transcends emotions, that transcends circumstances, that transcends outer influences. I wanted something that the Bible calls the kingdom of heaven, heaven that comes in my heart, not in my outward circumstances. But it always amazed me, you know, I, would, I had a great pastor. I mean, he was really a good man. He was not a hypocrite, so I'm not saying this to be negative about him. I'm just saying this is where ministry was back in those days. So so let's say let's say that he would teach about prayer, and he would talk about prayer, talk about prayer, talk about prayer, talk about prayer. So afterwards, I would be like, okay, so, I, I, you know, I understand I need to pray, but what's it look like? How, how do I do it? How do I make this effective? And I, I just found that most of the time, there was nothing that was being offered that said these are some ways that prayer can look in your life. You know, I'm getting ready to do a whole new uh, uh, training program, a free training program probably, that's going to be called Rethinking Church. Uh, because, because the 21st century church, and not all churches, there are great pastors, there are great churches, but I'm telling you, the great majority uh, of churches, and you can tell if they're religious, and you can talk if you can tell if they're ceremonial, or if they're legalistic, or they're information-based, or you know, you, you you can tell. So I'm not condemning church; I'm condemning religion. I will always, always, always condemn religion. But uh, uh, you know, so 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 many churches, the way we approach. Uh, uh, walking with God, becoming a disciple, yielding to Jesus as Lord, bears no similarity to how the Bible describes becoming a disciple. So we're going to church, we're jumping through hoops, we're learning through information, we're sincere. You know, we want all the right outcomes, but the problem is you can't get the right outcome from sincerity. You have to get the right outcome because you sincerely believe and apply the truth of God to your life. So I'm going to give you some questions here that I want you to ask yourself. I want you to go through here. Number one, okay, what does the Bible mean when it talks about knowing God? I want you to write this down, and I want you to write, a, a, you know, in any relationship, there's a process of coming to know that other person. So I want you to write down what you are doing, not to try to satisfy, God, but 
to come to know God? What are you doing to create a personal, inter, intimate interaction with God? So I'm just going to I'm going to go through these pretty fast because I don't really want this to be a real, real long message. And let me mention this: every time I create a video series, I always create an audio series. Uh, and I give you everything, really, that you can imagine in these video series for free. But uh, there are a lot of people who say, you know what, I am serious about being a disciple. I am serious about building my life on uh, not only the Word of God, the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, but on, on what He modeled. And so, I always, you know, I'm always wanting to take the Word and say, okay, what's this going to look like in my life? And that's what disciples do. Disciples do not gather information. That's what students do. God didn't call you to be a student. He called you to be a disciple. A disciple uh, wants not just to have the information that his master has, but he wants to live the same life that his master lives. So, so in our audio series, uh, Always Above, Never Beneath, the biblical uh, secrets to always winning, I'm always I'm going to have a lot of heart work in there for you, so that you you can answer questions, do meditations, and do what it takes to not just get this information, but to make this journey. But let me ask you some questions real quick, like for you to ponder. Now, don't do it doesn't do you any good if you if you don't ponder these and consider what they would look like in your life. So, the next question we have to ask is this: Do I really know God, or do I simply know about Him? Now, I'm telling you. You, you can read a book about, you know, a president of the United States. You can read a book about your favorite hero. But that doesn't mean you know them. You know about them. And I got news for you. The personal interaction is always more enriching than the information that you get from reading about somebody. So, so, so let me ask you this, a couple of questions. They already know God. So the question is this. How do I experience him then? If I know him, then it means I am experiencing him. And remember, nothing that God offers you through the Lord Jesus is of any benefit if you are not experiencing it in your life. Next, when I experience him, does that overcome all of my doubts and fears? In other words, do I come to the place of peace where, where I am unmovable, I am unshakable, I am confident, I am filled with peace? Or here's another question. Write these questions down. And I tell you, you need to spend some time thinking on these, on all of these questions. So uh, when I experience him, is it more powerful than the negative emotions that I tend to experience? In other words, can I connect with God just instantly, pop myself right out of a bunch of negative emotions? Can I experience God and, and, and suddenly, uh, you know, all the negativity, all the fear, all the anxiety, all the work goes away and I come to peace because I, because I know God loves me. I'm experiencing his love. I'm experiencing the reality that all of his resources are available. Man, I'm getting excited just talking about this. It makes me want to finish this message real quick like go spend some time with God. So here's another one. Uh, do I know him based on scripture? Now, I probably ask this question in almost every book that I write. And, 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 and it was the first thing that God told the children of Israel to do is you've got to get, get all the leaven out of your life. Well, leaven represents beliefs that have come to you through the world system, through other religions, through your family, through your traditions, or just through your own opinions. And so it, it always amazes me how many people their beliefs about God are based on tradition, based on religion, based on family, based on personal experiences, and based on personal opinions. And, and even when you show them from the Bible that their beliefs are out of harmony with God, many people just say, well, you know, that's just what I believe. Well, wait a minute. 
So then you can't really know God. You know, you know, as a parent, man, a lot of raising kids, I, I wasn't good at raising kids. I did the best I could, but you know, I, I, I never was given the chance to be a child for very long. So I didn't even know what kids did. I didn't know what the average kid did. You know, I started working, you know, when I was in the, when I was in the third grade. Well, actually, I worked before that, but, but I started really regularly working when I was in the third grade and I have worked all of my life. So I, don't, I didn't know much about being a kid. So, so I, I, didn't, I didn't really know very much about this. But one of the things that was so frustrating for me as a parent there, there were, and, and, and you know, I had, I had adopted children. So one of the problems with adopted children is they project onto you, the parent. They project onto you their fears, their angers, their anxieties, all the things that they have experienced before you ever adopted them. And so you can be very, very sincere. You want to help. You want to be kind or whatever. And they don't believe it. They've got an opinion about you based on some past personal experience. Therefore, there's never it takes it took years to have a connection with my children who had been hurt in previous situations in life. And but that's the way we do God. It's like God, I don't I don't believe you. I don't, I don't believe what you say in the Bible. I don't believe you are who what you say you are. I don't believe what Jesus says about you. So 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 this is my opinion about you. So basically I'm saying you are a liar. So now let's see if we can get close. You can't have a relationship without trust. You can even have a relationship that starts with you are a liar. Uh, and, and here you know here's another one. Do I know God by his name? You know, people talk about taking the name of the Lord in vain, and basically in the Western world, we kind of reduce that down to just using a curse word in conjunction uh, with the word God, you know. So, so that, that's the extent of our concept of taking uh, a God's name in vain. But really, taking God's name in vain, when God has revealed his name to us, and he says, this is who I am, and you can know me, through my name, then, then uh, if we, for example, we take the name Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God, my peace, and then we turn around and say, see, God teaches us by dragging us through hardship and stress and straining. But wait a minute. The New Testament says, uh, don't ever say when you're tested, tempted, tried, scrutinized, or made to strive or strain. Don't ever say it's God. Why? Because there is no name of God that says Jehovah the tormentor. There's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God of peace. And so God always gives peace, and peace is always the environment where he, where he teaches us things. Or you take, you know, you take like Jehovah uh, uh, Rapha, or Rafi, as some people call it. It's pronounced different ways. And that's the Lord God who heals. There's not a name that says the Lord God who makes sick. There's not a name that says the Lord God who kills. There's not a name that says the Lord God who brings tragedy. But the real truth is that's who we believe God is. So really, believers today are continuously taking the names of God in vain. And because God himself revealed those names to us, then the truth is, we're, again, we're calling God a liar. The Bible says, let God be true. And every man a liar because you know, what he says is true. But, you know, one of the names of God that's really interesting is Emmanuel, God with us. And Emmanuel represents the idea that Jesus is God with us. If you want to understand anything about God, you don't, I mean, it's good to, but you don't need to go back and study all the Old Testament. You don't need to go study all of the epistles until you are zeroed in 
on understanding who Jesus is and knowing what you can expect from him in every single situation, then when you're reading the scriptures and it's a bad uh, translation or interpretation or you're just twisting it based on what you were raising, you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Jesus never did that. He is God with us. He is here showing us exactly who God is, what God does, and we don't want to take any of these names of God in vain. Now, because of time, I won't be able to go into some of these other things, but it will be in the recorded session giving you several exercises to do to discover, am I really experiencing God? So, so let me encourage you, if you want to help us reveal God to the world, because the Bible says that the, really the return of Jesus can't happen until the world actually sees God as he is because then only then does the whole world have the opportunity to live by faith and trust trust God as he really is and listen be sure to go to impactministry.com or Jim Richards uh, drjimrichards.com got all kinds of things that'll bless you all kind, hundreds of video series that will help you in almost every area of your life be sure and share this with somebody that needs it bless you Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.